0: Thank you, worship, team. you guys can go and have a seat, and uh, just so I know, did somebody lower this, or does it go out on its own? Is it self-retracting? It's under the anointing, the Holy Spirit is, okay, okay, because I don't want to fight with it, bring it up again, and if it keeps going down, so, okay, but you had one of those anointed Bibles, those are like the big smack you on the head Bibles, see, <laughs> Thompson Chain, bring it on, baby, love it. That's right, <laughs> huh? It, it goes up, but it might go back on down. It's okay. we know if that. If, ooh, hey, switching out versatility. See, yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, not to reiterate what we talked of already earlier, but I, I just thank Pastor Ben so much for allowing us to come. I've only met him a, really a couple times and uh but God started to birth this into me in January. If you have your Bibles today, which I hope you do, go to Second Chronicles. But as you turn to Second Chronicles, chapter 15, Janelle said it. We were ready to give up. I mean, it was bad, yeah. And, but God began to breathe life into us. And then for the last year, um, we've been challenging our church, and they've responded. And with their response, God has begun to move more and more. And when I called Ben up, I was like, hey, God just, he's doing something. And I feel like I need to get outside the walls of my church and to challenge myself to grow more. And uh, to share what God is doing into uh, and planted into other churches, and he, I, I'm so grateful that he's willing to take that chance on me. And you know, I told him, "Me, you know, outside of my own church, I don't know that I'll have a better home court than this because we have a lot of family in here." And then I thought about it. You know, maybe it'd be better if they didn't have any family because then we'll truly just leave, and you know, you can hate me, and it doesn't really matter. You know, but if I really bomb, I've got to deal with the, my family still. So I'm not sure how great of an idea this was, um, <laughs> but we're here. And, but a couple things to let you know about me, myself, okay? Um, I love to laugh, so feel free to laugh at anything I say that is funny, okay? Um, don't laugh because it's not funny. If it's not funny, don't laugh, okay? But you're not going to be out of line if you laugh. You're not going to be out of line if you give me an amen or if it's a little hallelujah or you grab a a hanky and start swinging it. It don't bother me, okay? God has brought me. I I, I didn't come into the church until I was 17. So the term of old-time Pentecostal doesn't mean a whole lot to me. And still, God started touching my life, and I started following revival history. And I'm telling you, they knew how to chant the word of God. And we need to have a little bit more of that in our churches today. And so I want to encourage you, if you like it, let it known. Let it be known, okay? And so uh, we get that preliminary out of the way. <sighs> and I talk fast, sorry. But well, we're gonna pray for that in a second. First Corinthians chap- sorry, second Corinthians, my bad. Second <laughs> See, I read out of there earlier because we were the t- tongues of the Holy Spirit. See? You're paying attention. That's good. That's good. It's a good start. It's a good start. 2 Chronicles chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Okay. The Spirit of God came upon Azera, son of Oded. He went up to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. When you are with him, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. Go forward to verse 14, if you will. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting, and with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Let's pray. Lord God, Right now, I just ask, Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to continue to flow into this church right now and into these people, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'd help me to speak clearly what your work, Spirit has put inside of me, Lord God, and nothing else, Lord. Lord, I pray I'd be able to speak slowly and clearly, Lord God. But, Lord, beyond that, I pray we'd have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to the church today, God. And we, we, may we be a people of response. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this scripture right here, some things to have as a background with it. If you were to read in the chapter 14, you read about Asa, and he's a king of Israel at the time. And this is a time when what well, we know of Israel is very divided, it's very broken. This is after Nebuchadnezzar has come in. And it's all it, like, this is why, like, all of a sudden Judah is fighting against Israel and Israel is fighting against Jerusalem. And it's been all come in with Nebuchadnezzar in part of judgment because they were not serving the Lord. But Asa was one of the few kings that served the Lord. He loved God, he followed him, he restored the temples, he did what he knew to do. And in fact, just before this, he was going to be attacked by a vast army and he rallied his people, and they sought the Lord, and God brought a huge victory. It was a huge upset. And God did it. But it's right after that victory that all of a sudden, God raises up a prophet to come to him with those ver- these words that I read today. And if you go back into the verse number 2, he said, Listen to me, the prophet said. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, in the American church, there are several scriptures we like to kind of hang our hat on, if you will. And this is a scripture that maybe you have heard several times in different forms, maybe in Matthew or other parts. But help me understand that in our hearing and all too often in our pulpits, we have selective verse usage. We have, seek the Lord and you'll find him. But we forget about if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Come on. Two people heard that. that One was over here. One was over there. But we have a time in our lives where we think, I like this particular verse. And we'll go and say, oh, if I knock on the door, he'll answer me. Yes, but what happens if you don't knock? Because I'm telling you, the American church as a whole is not knocking anymore. We're coming to church. Eighty percent of Americans come to a church every Sunday. Eighty percent is the latest statistic that I heard. Ninety-some percent say they believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Aren't we living in a land of revival? Revival. We know the theology, we know the terminology, but we don't know the God. We've lost the God of the Bible. We've embraced the God of humanism. Can I be a little bit blunt with you today? See, because I get to leave in about an hour or two, and so, you know what, you get to clean it up. (laughs) So, but hopefully he's going to take something, I'm going to challenge you enough where he's going to have a fresh fire and he's going to be able to run with it. That's my desire today. But well, see, religion has grabbed the whole of the American church. And it's become, can I put, we have like Americanisms. Have they you ever lived or been in a foreign country for a while? And you go there, and all of a sudden you start using terminology, and they look at you like, what are you talking about? It's like they don't understand. Even if you're speaking theoretically the same language, <laughs> it can be something totally different. And what happens in American church, we have these isms that we've come in that have become American terminology, and all too often they have become our theology. And I've taken, I wrote down a couple of them. Let me see if you need to know these ones. We've made it a theology of when God moves, I'll move. When God comes in and moves, oh, I'll be there. See, my church, when we went to First Assembly of Church where we're at right now, we got there, and I'll, I'll be honest, the church was the group that you went to, met with. The whole church was 65 plus. And he goes, we want a pastor that will come and draw young families, but don't change anything. Okay. That part didn't last long. We go on a church, a, church, uh, a tour of the church, and it was, this is the nursery right here. And I looked at it, and it was a storage room. These are our Sunday school classes back here, and they're storage rooms. You couldn't go into them. He says, well, where do you put the babies? So, well, we don't have any babies right now. He said, well, when they start coming, these young families that are going to come just because <laughs> I showed up... Uh, What are you going to do with them? Well, when they get here, we'll clean it out. Woo! How many understand if you wait till then, they'll never stay, if they even come into the place? Because God is not going to entrust you with something that you're not ready for. And the church of Jesus Christ in America has come and said, when God begins to move, that's when I'll move. How about this one? God can touch me right where I am. You got to think about that one because somebody, not everybody caught that one. God can touch me right where I am. Just to show that I'm not impartial. It's usually the person that sits right around in here. Excuse me, I didn't mean to kick that. Those aren't attached. They're over here and say, oh, God, you're good. Now, if you want me to, you, God, I don't have to respond to the altar. See, there's a prophetic word, but if God wants to touch me, I, I'm right here. He I am available right here. Come on now. And what it is is we become established in our, shall we say, our seats that are assigned to us. See, God knows my address is 50th row in the back and the left-hand side, three rows in. And if he wants to move in my life, he knows where to find me. And let me tell you, he can, and he knows where you are, but he won't. Because it violates the principles of his word that if you seek me, then you'll find me. Showing up is not seeking, by the way. I'm glad you showed up. But this is just a launching pad. This is a place to get started. And when the worship team comes up here and they start going after it, and the Spirit of the Lord starts going, that's when it's time to seek and go after. But the American Church has forgotten to do that. How about this one? Only the really messed up go to the altar. <laughs> I'm glad i messed up. <laughs> I'll tell you. When he started revealed to me how messed up I was, I had already gone through all the schooling and been ordained by the assemblies of God and been preaching the gospel for 15 plus years. And he looked at me and said, boy, you're messed up. But I'm telling you, it is religion, it is, ju- it is arrogance, it is pride, it is judgmental to say that the person that comes forward is messed up. Now, they might be. They might be messed up. Well, praise God, if they're messed up, they're coming to the altar. But I look at it like this. God says, the altar is where things are changed. Altar is where things die. And every one of us needs the altar. Because if we're hungry, Pastor Ben and I were talking, how he did this survey. And everything, we want more of God. We want, yes, it almost unanimously seen. He's very excited about it. he got pastors getting excited for, for what's going on in the church. It's great to hear. But if there's a hunger with it, guess what? Then something's got to go onto the altar. It's got to get changed. we got to get changed. Well, a year and a half ago when God started to work more and more, and Janelle and I, it was, it was this kind of thing, okay, well, if you'll seek me. Like, I thought I was seeking you. He said, no, you're not seeking me. You're trying in your own self, but you got to lay it down. How about, just two more. I don't know why I look at my watch. I don't really care what time it is. It's just a habit, I guess. How about this one? God wants me to be comfortable. Comfortable. God wants me to be comfortable. He's a gentleman. He'll never ask me to do anything that I would not desire. Woo! Okay, this side's got it. I'm going to come over here because this side's got it. Nowhere in the Bible does God say he wants you to be comfortable. Comfortable. That is a lie from humanism in the pit of hell. Did he tell Moses, I want you to be comfortable at the burning bush? No, he said, take your sandals off and get dirty. But it's holy ground. He is a God that wants you. The the apostles at the book of Acts at the time of the Pentecost, did they stay up in the upper room and say, I'm so comfortable? We got our own building here. We can fit 120 or so in this room. We, probably, we could knock that wall out and grow the church right here. That's good. No. He filled them with so much power that it just spilled over, and they helped it spill over, so now 3,000 get added to the church. God does not want you comfortable. It's your flesh that wants to be comfortable. So in your worship, in your pursuit of God, uncomfortable is where you need to be. I tell my church, be comfortable with the uncomfortable we need to. How about this? It kind of goes along with that. It's just not my personality. See, I like the fast ones, the fast songs. Worship is the biggest one on this one, really. Because the drummer's up here, and he's going, boom, boom, boom. And he's going, and those people that are the hard rockers are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Teens, you're like that. Yeah, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. <laughs> and those that are more mature in the Lord, when it slows, that's more my piece. It's not my personality to be expressive. Men, you're the worst. Don't tell me you don't get excited on Super Bowl Sunday. When your team is winning or losing. (laughs) Don't tell me you don't get excited when your kids misbehave. Don't tell me your personality says that you cannot go after things extravagantly. It doesn't exist. Besides that, we are to worship in the way he desires. Not the way I want. When I was trying to woo Janelle, which I've been wooing her now for almost 20 years. Married for 15 and a half years. She rocks. Still wooing her. Hint to men. Hint, 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 hint. 15 and a half years of marriage, still wooing her. Guess what? I had to learn what she wanted. Because what I wanted didn't matter. And when I'm trying to woo that girl, gentlemen, you know it. What you want don't matter. If you want her, you learn what she wants and you give her what she wants. Guess what? If you love the Lord, Come on, get that hanky out, yeah. She was excited a couple weeks ago, all she could find was a receipt. She was like, (laughs) I almost want to see how much did you pay for that thing? No. But with God, he says, worship me with lifted hands. To bow before me. And by the way, that's a sorry case for bowing. Fall on my knees with loud voices. And right here in the scripture that we had, and I am going to actually go back to the Bible. Oh, actually, I got, well, I got one more. on it. But it shows that after they made this commitment to seek him wholeheartedly, look at this whole nation with shouting, with loud acclamation, with eagerness, they went after him. Not with American reservism. We want to be in proper decorum. We are so paranoid about being out of line and out of place that we become the frozen chosen. We like it. And we think that that's proper and in order. Look at the Word of God, and you'll see what proper and in order is. It's David running around in his undies because he loves God so much and nothing's going to hold him back. That's more biblically appropriate than what happens in 90% of the churches in America today. How about this one? I have enough God in my life. I'm doing just fine. I might leave that one for you to deal with. But how many know that we can always have more God? Now let's go back into the Word, Second Chronicles. I'm glad you had a little fun with that. I did. But understand the power of those, those truths. So right here. Asa came in and he starts out real powerfully. He says, listen to me, in verse number 2. Listen. Listen. To me, when Pastor Ben gets up here and he brings the word, listen—he's bringing a prophetic word of God. It's been studied, it's been prayed over, and I believe it's powerful to change your lives. Go on from there. He goes to the people that are there. The Lord said, "He is with you when you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you." See, we would need to be seekers. We need to be people that pursue with such a strength, that go after him with so much that there's no way we are going to be held back. That's what it means to seek. To seek in a, in a biblical form means to go after with a desperate passion. So if we were to take that and put that into this scripture right here, it says when you, when you desperately and passionately Come after me, you will find me. Think of some people in the Bible that were that way. How about the famous one, the woman with the issue of blood? Was she operating in proper decorum? Making sure that her, her new dress wasn't wrinkled? No. I think throughout the Word of God, the people that would come and fall at Jesus' feet. How about people that would climb trees just to see them? throw it out the window. It's more important to get him. It's more important to get him. I am desperate. I am passionate. And guess what? When that happens in your life, then all of a sudden God says, ooh, ooh, I can use this one. I can go in this one. When you have men in your church and I I tell you, I don't know if it's because I'm a guy but I feel in my spirit, when when there are men that call up Pastor Ben, say, how can I pray for you? When you have men in this church that will do that, get ready. When you have people that come by and say, how you doing, brother? They say, well, you know, I'm, I'm struggling today. Uh, struggles at work. Oh, okay, instead of the, I should have put this as an ism, I'm praying for you, brother. Oh, I don't know why we got to do this little southern accent with that, don't you? Say, like, uh, I'm, I'm praying for you. Well, do you Really? What stops us from in the hallway, especially of the church, saying, You're struggling? Right now, in Jesus' name, I pray against that struggle. I pray against that situation and calling it out right there. What keeps us back is religion and pride. But that is not seeking, that is not going after, that is not pursuing with diligence, with desperation, and with passion. And that's what God wants His church to be like. That's what He wants. Prophetic word came forward. Are we going to seek him? Are we going to go after him? Go to 1 Corinthians, and I did mean Corinthians this time. Just so you don't think I'm just stuck in the Old Testament. A lot of powerful things in the Old Testament. Don't discount it. And in 1 Corinthians, if there's ever a church in the Bible, I think that describes and it has a lot of uh, parallels with the American church, it's probably the church of Corinth. And your overall thought of the book as you turn there is you have Corinth, which is in Greece. Okay? And so the people that are there obviously Greek. Okay? They become believers uh, through Paul and the planting of the church there at Corinth. And, and things are developing well, and God is moving and power and all that stuff. But issues start to develop. How I many know there are issues in churches? Okay? There are, when you have people, you have issues. Okay? And in this church, what Paul starts to address is the nature of the people that are bringing in, coming into the church. Because in that time and in that place of Greece, people loved those that could give a good speech, people that could talk really well. You know, your Plato, you know, think of the, all the ruins of, of Greece, all the amphitheaters. People loved to just go and hear a good speech. And what would happen is the gifts of the Spirit started to move, and those people that like to give a good speech started giving good speeches. And what happened is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, and they started to get a little out of line, and that they would give up, and they would give these tongues without the interpretation, and it could go for an hour. And they thought they were so spiritual. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love the baptism of the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues. Everyone, as Paul said, should receive it, but they were going so far with it that Paul had to address it. And so he ta- tells them that talking, all these things are okay, that is good, but now let's start to bring it in. In the American church, we love a good speech. We love to hear somebody come up and talk and tickle our ears, but will we take it and let it be life changing? Paul, in this section right here, he's starting to get really into the nitty-gritty of what's going on. And in verse 14, I go back up from where I originally started, going up to chapter 4 and verse 18. I think it's far enough up so we can get an idea of what he's talking about. Chapter 4 and verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant. <laughs> Paul was such a kind, gentle person. Oh, that, that's an ism right there. Jesus just loves everybody. He's so gentle. Don't you love the pictures? Jesus is always holding a sheep in one hand, a clean one, of course, and a child in the other hand. And that's Jesus. Eh. I feel like I'm all, Jesus was a radical man. He's flipping over tables. He's in his spare time while he's getting ready to go to church the next day, he makes a whip. That's my Jesus. Let him whip me into shape. Anyways, that's another message. I'll, I'll let you run off with that one too. I'm giving you all kinds of stuff to go with here. <laughs> Verse 18 of chapter 4. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon if it's the Lord, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out, not I'll find not only how these arrogant people are talking. But what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not about talk. Now, I'm a preacher, and I love to preach. It's what God has placed inside of me. There's a fire in me that's just got to come out, and I'm learning how to do it better and better, I pray. But if it is only talk, then all we are is the American church who hears a talk every single week and hears a nice God loves you every single week. Please give your tithe on the way out the door. And lives are not changed. How can so many people walk in the doors of a church of a country and walk out and have no semblance of God in their lives the rest of the week? And you know I'm telling you the truth today. It's because there's no power in the American church anymore. It's become a kingdom of talk, not of power. And God is telling you this today. He's brought me here today to tell you it's time to bring the power back. It's time to be a people that will seek me, that will go after me and let the power of God move in your life. Because he hasn't stopped. There's a lie out there that says the kingdom of God is gone. There's a lot out there that says when Jesus went back up into heaven, He brought the kingdom with Him. And it's not going to be active again until He returns. That's being taught in not only the churches, but in the seminaries of the United States of America. That God stopped moving with the days of the apostles, and all we need is the Word. The Word is good. The Word is powerful and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is. But if there's no power, then it just becomes a good talk. God wants to move in power. If you've been dealing with sickness for years, why? If this is a God of power, He's still moving, we should be walking in healing. Why are our marriages broken down and falling apart? Why is the divorce rate in the American church higher than outside of the church? Because there's no power in our lives. We're like the nice talk. But are we going to let God come in and shake us? We need the power of God restored. See, in this scripture right here that I just read in Corinthians, the word power is the same word as in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. In fact, let's read that. If you've been around the assemblies of God or Pentecostal churches for any length of time, I had to have this one memorized. But just so you, for those that may not, and you don't think I'm just making things up, but in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That same power, now is translated power here, but is the same original word, which is dunamis, which is used for the word dynamite, which means explosive, mighty strength, and it is implied directly to miracle power. And that's what God wants to have active in us. Isn't it good that God still wants to move? He still wants people healed. He still wants marriage. I love um, my brother-in-law, Matt. He's a therapist, counselor, thing. He talks, you know, he's a, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what it is you do, but it's good. But I'm tired of talking. And I want to see some power. We've seen marriages in our fam- our church healed fast. We always look at us Americans for that quick pill, don't we? We want to lose weight. I'm sure nobody here does. I do. I- I'd like to lose just a little bit more. And we want the pill. Where's the miracle pill? Take it one time, boom, 50 pounds is gone. Everybody wants that, right? We want to go it quick. We're that microwave instant society. But when it comes to God, it seems we've got into the, well, in time, God will do things. If it's will, His will, He will do it. But guess what? It is His will. And God uses therapists. I'm not belittling what Matt does. They're powerful. They're administrators of the Word of God. And they are needed because there are some deep hurts in people that do need to have time to let the revelation of the Word of God come into us. So don't think I'm belittling that in any way, shape, or form. Okay? But with that, when we allow God to come in and rattle our bones, things can happen quick. But we have to submit and we have to seek. One last scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. Then we're going to come to the altars. I'm letting you know we're going to come to the altar so you don't get too comfortable, so that you don't think, hey, he's almost done. I could be the stereotypical American preacher, say, on my last point, or as I begin to close, and an hour later, we're still here. That's see something. So are we going to be here for another hour? Did you really say we're going to be here for another hour? No. He, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And without faith, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who, what's that word? Earnestly seek him. How do we define it? Diligently, early, desperately, passionately, he rewards those. But it's faith. If we go back to those isms I had before, God will touch me right where I am. When God moves, then I will move. That's not faith. That's reaction. And you're probably going to be reacting off of what God is doing in somebody else. And then you're chasing it. Don't be the one that misses it. Be the one that leads the way. I think God needs a church on this side of the state that is seeking him with passion, with purpose that's coming to a prayer meeting, whatever the time it is, I'm going to brag on my church for a little bit, my little church. See, we only got about 50 people, 45. So that means adult-wise, we got on a Sunday morning about 30 adults in our church. When we allow God to take over our lives and take over our church, see, before we had prayer meeting on Sunday night. How many of you have ever been to this prayer meeting? You come in, you sit down, the lights are really low. And you have elevator music playing in the background. It's Christian elevator music, but it's elevator music nonetheless. And the whole time that you're in prayer, you're just trying really to stay awake. And if somebody catches you, you say, no, I'm just resting in the Lord. His presence is here so much, I'm just resting, yeah. And that's prayer. And it would be one One lady and me, most of the time, sometimes another lady would show up, and quite honestly, I tried to get out of it whenever I could, and I'm the pastor. That's not a good sign, by the way. I would make up excuses not to go to prayer. Now, don't tell me you can't relate to that. And all of a sudden, we started saying, God, I want to give you everything. I want you to go, and I'm going to pursue you. And I remember standing up in front of our church and said, we are going to pursue God, and if you don't come along, that's your issue. We're going. And we went, and they followed. And we, yeah, some did. Not all of them did. We said, on Sunday night, we're going to start to pray. And I started to train them on prayer. This past Sunday night was an average Sunday night. And out of the 30 adults that normally come on a Sunday morning, we had 22 adults in our Sunday night prayer for an hour and a half of calling down the glory of God and pursuing Him for revival. Now, I'm not a math, that great at math to do it in my head, but I say that's a pretty darn good percentage of people, of the adults. If there was a prayer meeting tonight, would you clear your schedule? Are you so hungry for God that you can do without whatever it is that you've planned this afternoon? I'm excited that the young people here, you went and you fasted and you pursued the Lord and you prayed. How many? What young people did that? Who was there? There were 16 of them that you said over there. Go you know, over here. Right there. Great. Stand up. I want everyone of you to stand up. Stand up. Okay. Yes, you sh- you're- are you embarrassed right now? You shouldn't be because they're honoring you. Now that is awesome, but let me ask you this. The official prayer time and fast time is over. Now what are you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with it? Do you only have the endurance to sprint for one day? God wants you to be a people and a young person generation that will seek Him with passion and with purpose that will go after Him every day, every week, Every month, every year, are you going to be that young person? Are you going to be that group? When the person next to you starts to slow down, are you going to say, hey, come on now, come on now, pick it up, let's get there. Or when you have prayer times, are you going to come in and pick up the person next to you? Oh, I can't come. I, my hair isn't turning out today. I just can't come. No, you're going to show up at their door, knocking on their doorbells, going up to their little bathroom saying, we're going to do it. You can do your hair in my car on the way to church. And if it doesn't work, throw it back in a ponytail. That always works. It's the great cover-up. You can sit back down. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Don't let it be just a weekend. But let it be something that comes and changes you and makes it a launching pad for what God wants to do. In this scripture of Hebrews, without faith it is impossible. We are to be seekers. We are to be seekers. Are you hungry today? Are you hungry for the Lord today? I told Pastor Ben, I hope that in a a couple of seconds here, when we come to this altar, that people are hungry enough for God that we have to move these chairs back because there's not enough room at this altar. And I'm going to put it out there. In a moment, we're going to come and just, my altar call is this, are you hungry? Do you want more of God? Are you willing to seek him? That's what it is. Are you hungry? And I would challenge you with this. If you're not going to come forward, and some of you have already made up your mind, if you're not going to come forward, why not? What is holding you back? What would keep you? Oh, well, it's you know it's almost time. You know, I don't know if we got time to do this. You got time to do this. What really else do you got going on? I mean, really? The restaurants are gonna be open. A lot of us could use just waiting a little longer. Burn off a couple more calories, seeking God. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Got a pot roast in the oven or in the crock pot? It's okay if it's a little overdone. It's just tough. It's good exercise for your jaw. It's okay. Add some more gravy. It's all good. Is your marriage worth seeking Him? Some there's some parents in here. You need to seek the Lord not only for yourself but for your children. You know your kids are struggling. And you need to seek the Lord, not only for yourself, but for them. And do them a favor. Don't seek the Lord just for them. Seek Him for Him, and then for them. Are you hungry? Do you want to be that church where God says, oh, I can use them? I can use them. Would you stand? to pray. Let's begin to, begin to pray right now. Begin to lift your voice. If you're not comfortable praying aloud, get, it's okay to be uncomfortable, remember? It's okay. We need to be uncomfortable. Too many times we, when we go to prayer, we hang our heads and we close our eyes. Well, the Bible shows us to lift up our heads unto the Lord. Lift up that prayer. Lift it up and go after the Lord earnestly with passion. I'm still kind of pastoring you here, and I'm not hearing passion. Is anybody hungry for God today? Does anybody want a divine move of the Holy Spirit at Gateway Church? That's only going to happen when we as a church say, we are going to forsake all things, and we're going to go after you. If you're hungry, if you want God, Come coming to God, I'm desperate for you. Then you say, I want the life that that guy up there has. If that's you, then come forward right now. Let's come forward right now. If you're hungry, if you want God to come in and do something, then right now is the time. Right now is the time. Right now is the time. Don't be pass- passive. Don't be considerate. Go after it. Go after the Lord right now. Go after him right now. Pick it up a little bit for me. Pick it up a little bit. Oh, Jesus, right now, right now, right now. Don't worry about the person to your right or your left who's in front of you, who's behind you. Don't worry about that. Oh, Jesus, right now, right now, right now. Yeah, push this back. Girls, you're going to have to move out. Move those back. Spread out. Oh, Jesus, right now, 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 right now. Oh, seek Him. Seek Him right now. Seek Him right now. The Holy Spirit is already starting to speak into your life right now. He's already starting to pull things off right now. Oh, Jesus, right now, right now. Oh, church is not a place for passivity. It is a time for aggressive pursuit of the Lord right now, right now, right now right now. Begin to lift your voice right now. Begin to lift your voice right now. We're going to pray for you in a minute, but you need to pray out for yourself. You need to cry out for your church. You need to cry out for your area. You need to cry out for the Lord. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is your time. Now is your time. Right now is your time. It's time for your marriage. It's time for your life. It's time for your family right now. Oh God, right now, right now, right now. More Holy Spirit love, of God. Holy Spirit of God, begin to flow. Move power, through this altar. Move through these people, God. Change lives right now. Change them right now. Oh, we're gonna keep praying. Janelle is gonna go in and begin to pray and lay hands on people. If you have something power, specific that you want prayer for, you've got five seconds to tell her what it is. and.